If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's mind pump time. In this episode of Mind Pump, we talk a lot about fitness, but in the first 41 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. Here's what we talked about. Uh, I mentioned Doug and Adam's bright white legs. Looks like they need some sun. They're exposing them because they're wearing the new Viore shorts. Now, Viore are, is the company that makes the best athleisure wear. Uh, that we've ever found. It looks phenomenal. And we have a discount for you. Here's what you do. Go to vioriclothing.com. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com forward slash mind pump. And use the code that you see on that page for 25% off. Adam then brings up a new IPO that's coming out. Watches of Switzerland. This is an interesting one. Company apparently is worth over a billion dollars, and I had no idea who they were. We're watching watches over here. Speaking of billionaires, Jay-Z, the first billionaire, I think, in hip-hop. Is he the first? Yep. Insane. Then we talked about Warren Buffett's $4.5 million lunch. No, the lunch didn't cost $4.5 million. That's expensive. That's how much it costs just to sit with him at the lunch. That's insane. Uh, Then I talked about uh, the hoarder that we have here in the studio, Justin, stealing all the- you call me a whore? Stealing all the peanut butter, skinny dipped almonds, you fucker. Now remember, skinny dipped so good. almonds are almonds with a thin coat of chocolate, and it's amazing. The macros are really, really good. It is the, uh, the snack that we recommend to fitness competitors in particular. Uh, and we have a discount for you. Go to skinnydipped.com forward slash mind pump, enter the code mind pump, and you'll get 20 percent off. Then I talked about, let's see if I can say this word this time, the disposability of men. Did I say that right? Close. Very Disposability. Disposability. Why am I saying it weird? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't know. You made it weird. I I know. Once I make it weird, it's over. Anyway, we talked about why men are disposable, uh, evolutionarily speaking. Then we talked about the sperm from a deceased son. No, it's not a weird porn. This is actually what happened. Uh, we talked about raising our own clones. That's how narcissistic yeah, we are. Natural transition there. And our insecurities in raising our children. Then we get you back yeah. with the heartstrings there. There it is. Then we get into the fitness part of this episode. The first question, what is the difference between MAPS Prime and Prime Pro? Remember, MAPS Prime is our program that teaches you how to get your body warmed up properly for your workout. Prime Pro is all about correctional exercise. And what we do in that part of the episode is we talk about the programs, but more importantly, we talk about how you can get your body ready for your workout better, regardless of whether or not you have the program or not. Next question, uh, how do you get through the times when you can't get access to good food? Let's say you're on a trip, there's not a lot of healthy food around you. What are some strategies? Next question, this person is a former gymnast. They value flexibility, but they also like to know when they can train their flexibility. When's the best time? that will not impede muscle growth? Is it before the workout, after the workout, or on rest days? And the final question, this is a personal trainer from LA Fitness who only does 30-minute sessions. Uh, How can they put together the best workout for the clients in just 30 minutes? It's not hit, believe it or not. We talk all about how to take that 30 minutes and maximize it for their clients. Also, this month, MAPS Strong is 50 Percent off now. Map Strong is the Maps program inspired by strongman training. So what does that mean? That means you go to your normal gym, 
that has barbells, dumbbells, benches, and all that stuff, and you do unconventional lifts, you work on strength and stamina because, remember, competing as a strongman requires both, but this program is suitable for everybody. It is a posterior chain heavy program, so if you want to develop a strong back and a strong and round backside, this program is definitely for you. Again, it's 50% off. Here's what you got to do. Go to mapsstrong.com, M-A-P-S-S-T-R-O-N-G.com, and use the code STRONG50, S-T-R-O-N-G-5-0, for the discount. Do it now because this promotion will be over this month. You know what's cool about the weather right now? What's, at at what's least for cool you guys. For Actually, for you guys, it's really cool. What's I'm up? really excited for you guys. <laughs> for us, but not you? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've got that natural tan. Uh, and uh, I see, uh, you know, Doug and Adam walking in with their <laughs> actually nice looking Viore shorts you guys got on right now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I'm just uh, work on those cats. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't tell where the socks end and the legs start. You know what I'm saying? The white, <laughs> the white on white. Wait, wait till I unleash mine <laughs> no, to the world. No, don't. Yeah, it's like a beacon of hope. <laughs> don't. Yeah. They D- can see you from space. Yeah. <laughs> Doug is rock. What are you rocking, Doug? You have the different shorts than me. Yeah. I got the core shorts. You like those ones? I like them a lot. They're I'll- very, uh, they have a little bit of stretch to them. They have a, a little liner in there, but not one that grabs you too hard you know mm. what i'm saying you like to be yeah. you like to be nestled in, yeah. in the line yes you i feel there. very nestled do you wear because they have a liner do they do do you wear underwear in those or do you free ball wow. <laughs> no i'm wearing underwear that's a personal okay. question that's I'll, very personal yeah. i'll swim in those the ones that no, these are the, these are swim shorts yeah too. yeah, I'll, yeah. Sw- I'll swim in them or i'll wear them around they're, they're good for it, day to day yeah you can they look you can kind of dress them up or you can jump in the pool with them that's what's kind of mm-hmm. cool about what, those what, what are the ones you have on uh i got the banks oh okay yeah yeah so the banks are they're a little more formal they don't have the lining inside of them so they look a little bit more i don't know dressy you could say for shorts yeah you can't free ball in those yeah no you don't want to do that <laughs> Yeah, you be way too breezy. Justin would like that, right? I would. I would. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like it. I sit right across from you. Yeah. No, just, yeah. We don't want to see red beard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Red beard. <laughs> hey, the drapes match the uh, curtains. Right? If, you were, yeah. if you were a pirate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm excited. Red, red, red beard. Uh, and be breezy. Manhattan Beach is going to be uh, is going to be beautiful, man. We got a beautiful weekend. I know up here we got all uh, high 70s, uh, even 80s all week long, which I imagine will be pretty close. Close to that down there in L.A. Manhattan Beach area, dude. Every time we do those events, I come back with like three hundred dollars worth of more of Yori clothing. Yeah, every easily. time, <laughs> such an easy thing to do. Their stuff is, <clears throat> and I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm obviously being paid to say it. I love their shit, man. I wear it all the time. Well, everybody yeah. in the room right now literally has Viore on. Even yeah. I think Justin has the least with his hat, but everybody has something on right now. Yeah, it's it's funny. But it's because still there. I'm looking at pictures from the last like six months. You know, I go through my phone sometimes and look at pictures and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I went there. And then I noticed I'm like, every single one I'm wearing. Uh, Viore clothing. Yeah. Like I'm, I've gone above and beyond. I think they're I, hugging our bodies. I think days. that their their sponsorships getting paid just by us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Buying all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. They're like, they're like these morons. We'll all keep right. paying these guys to talk about our shit. Hey, man, I don't care. If, if it looks good and it's comfortable, I'm no, down. No. Yeah, I'll rock it all no, day. The business. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to get down there. What was the IPO that we were bringing up earlier? Oh, the Watches of Switzerland. So keep your eye out on that. There's a company that was bought like seven years ago for. Like 200k or like 200 million, and it's now it just it just opened, and it uh, opened up, and it's evaluated now at 1.1 billion dollars, and it's just a 
a place where you can buy like Rolexes and Breitlings and uh, Panerais. What really, do you mean a place like an online? Yeah, yeah, they're 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 an online business. I mean, right now, if you looked like their Instagram, they're only like twenty something thousand followers. So for a, a billion dollar company, it's only got about twenty thousand something people that are watching them on Instagram. But it's a, a, a Switzerland-based company that is basically resells watches like Rolex and Breitling and things like that. Resale? Is that uh, a discount? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're used. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, so it's really popular for someone to take like a like a watch like this and, you know, after 20 years of wearing it, 10 years of wearing it, or they need money, and so you trade them in because they hold their value. Yeah. So, what's the what's the that's what I was just gonna ask you how how well do they hold their value? It well typically? it all it all depends. So like the the Daytona that I have on right now is uh, limited edition. So I remember like three years after I had bought it, I went and checked it. I went to see if I were to trade it in. I could could actually get more money for it used than I bought it for. So some of them go up. Interesting. Like so if it's a limited edition or a, a very rare or hmm. sought after model then it, it could potentially go up. It's just like a classic car, right? Like yeah. a classic car is the same way too. Like some models are sought after. There's only so many of them, so they're worth a lot of money. They actually can go up in value. Is that somewhat predictable? Like, can you see which ones you think will probably go up in value or not? Kind of. Like, you know, you look at like when the the Rolex Pepsi edition, which is the, um, the blue and red dial, when that came out, the limited green. Pepsi, when- like the Pepsi... Cola? Yeah, they just it's it's not Pepsi oh, really okay. did anything with them. It's just it looks like Pepsi Cola because it's got the mm-hmm. so it's called that, right? So there's you'll they'll have like a limited edition. The Tiffany they had a Tiffany's uh a Daytona that came out that was like seventy five thousand. So all these different watches that are limited editions, like you can sometimes get So it's literally just an online store for used high uh high ticket watches. Yeah. Wow, and it's worth a billion dollars. One point one billion, and they're going IPO. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Stocks that's already risen by seventeen percent. No, it's just a cool. It's a cool business. It's something that I, I watch. Like comp- I, I watch these watches all the time. Like I follow a lot of different pages. Watching watches. So I was familiar. <laughs> I was familiar with the company, but I didn't know that it was going public. And man, the 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 amount of money that it's already. I mean, it was just what few years back that it was only worth 200 million to it's, be worth. It's so interesting because obviously watches the function of a watch is to tell you the time, but uh nobody wears a watch really for that anymore, do they? It, no. You have clocks everywhere, you have your phone, your yeah. cell phone. No, it's good. It's purely a fashion accessory. I mean it has been since day 1, but the fact that there's, you know, nobody really needs it. It's the, the only time. jewelry for men that I, I would even consider. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, besides a pinky ring. Well, yeah, that, that would be the only my belly button ring. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We won't talk about that. Yeah, that the pinky or your or your tongue, or your tongue ring that you have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of money, Jay-Z, Function. did he just enter into a new category? Uh, first rapper to hit a billion dollars, man. Now he has where he makes his money is there's a lot of different places he makes his money. It's not just his music, obviously. I mean, I read somewhere his his real estate investments are it's yeah like a hundred million dollars. His, his his business itself isn't worth. I mean, it's nowhere near the top of his other things. Like so, he's got uh, alcohol investment, tech, famous artwork, which I think is really fascinating right now. Uh, real estate, and then his own personal brand. That's what makes up the billion dollars. Yeah, so what what was that uh, company that he owns that's like a, a streaming service for music? Oh, he's he's trying to go heads up with Spotify and I don't, yeah. I don't know the name of it. It's like Title. Hi- Title, thank you, Doug. It's like high high uh, um fidelity or high uh, Yeah, high definition. High definition, yeah, music. So like 
you get more like jazz musicians and like different like uh, like so you can really hear the crispness of the of the uh, sound. It's so it's for it's for real like audio geeks. Like, is is he the most uh, I don't know what the right word would be valuable person in hip hop or is Dr. Dre? No, no, no. He's pat. He's he passed. He's yeah, number Dr. one. He's no, no rapper has ever reached a, a billion dollars. Right. Oh wow. Dre was on the. He was close, right? Was well, Dre Dre was when he sold beats. That's what I was. He that's was, what I was thinking. He, it put him on pace to be the first one to do it, but Jay Z's been on the climb for a while now and just wow. passed, passed him up. And he's still with uh, Beyonce. Yeah, that's a power couple right there. Yeah, I mean the amount of power that they have. Oh, yeah. and money. I would imagine that helps too because she's supposed to be a bad. I remember when we were talking to Mark Mastroff when he said he was having dinner with the with them. Right, he was talking about how badass she is too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. It's cool to see people take something and spin it into something else you know what i'm saying like jay-z had he had some music that that did very well but that wasn't even close to his potential like the music was kept reinvesting yeah that was the beginning of it everything else was was what took off well we went we went through this like i don't know would would you say 80s 90s um maybe even uh, i think 2000 i feel like was when we when this started to change where uh like musicians athletes you know were just were notorious for getting filthy rich doing tons of drugs buying tons of cars going bankrupt yeah going bankrupt and losing all their money and i think yeah that enough people have heard that now and and know the percentage like it's crazy what the i forgot i, re- I remember on the podcast years ago i read the stat on NFL players that mm-hmm. end up going bankrupt or whatever like that. It's ridiculously high. Like Yeah, it was like, alarming. Yeah, it's like 75, 80%. Like that's crazy. Like a majority of them end up going bankrupt, which that just shows you like how how bad that was. Where now I think they're all savvy to that. So and I know like the NFL does like courses now for the first like week or month that they get into the NFL where they kind of talk to them about being smart about investments and don't just go throw your first million dollars at your best friend who wants to start a restaurant and all that stuff. And they kind of try and help them out. It happens a lot with uh, athletes and artists because they're... It's quick money. Yeah, it's fast money. You could, you could go from being on the street, not making very much, or not having very much money, and then all sk- of a sudden fucking a millionaire. Exactly. And all of their time and energy has gone into um, developing a particular skill. And once the the public has lost its interest in that skill or that skill no longer has value. Like if you're an athlete, you have a shelf life, especially if you play football. It's, it's not only that. So I was having this conversation. So I have a, I have a good buddy who, uh, crazy story, but uh, won $6.5 million and really is uh, never made that much money. I've never had very much money at all our whole lives. And we were talking about some of the, the habits that he has right now. Like as soon as he got it, like he took – uh, like 20 something of us in a stretch limo up to a suite. And it was just crazy. It was like a $40,000 night, like right away. And I was telling, he's like, he's like, dude, is, what do you, do you think he's going to blow all his money? I said, I sure hope not. He's a good friend of ours. And, you know, and I know, and I know he's invested uh, some of, I think he invested 2 million right away. I said, but that doesn't mean that he, uh, he won't continue down that path. And I said, in fact, what you see is when the, and you talk about this a lot with health and fitness journey, how important the journey is. Mm-hmm. There's something to uh, about reaching new milestones financially mm-hmm. that teaches you new lessons, which is, we see this all the time, right? How many, how many people do you know that the, the wealthier they are, the tighter they are with their money, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's because they've learned, they've learned practices over years of like, 
shit, it's not easy to make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So well, they, they learn, know the real value of it. Right. Yeah. And they know how hard it is to get to that point. And so they, they do have a different value system with it. It's not just that. It's the, the behaviors that that are needed to earn that money are behaviors that uh, are, are similar to the ones you need to keep that money oftentimes. And if you never learn those behaviors, if you're just some, you know, you're some kid who's places all their time and energy in playing a sport, your behaviors around, you know, being good at your sport, you've never learned the behaviors around earning money, investing money, how to save it, you know, where to spend it. And so then all of a sudden you're getting paid tons of money because of your talent and your hard work for your sport, but you have zero understanding of how to manage money or what to do with it. And that's a, that can be a recipe for disaster. You see this, actually, you see this uh, even in business sometimes when people fall into. Uh, sometimes the market has malinvestment, where, for example, the housing crisis. Before that happened, you had some policies that made it a very, uh, dare I say, easy place to make money. Like if you had some sales skills and you, you know, were somewhat responsible. You could get into home financing and you get in the right area, like the Bay Area. And I knew schmucks that were making, you know, deep six figures, half a million dollars a year, just because they fell on the right moment, the right time. I have a buddy who was making three quarters of a million dollars, and then the market housing market crashed. He went from making seven hundred fifty grand a year to making less than seventy grand a year, all within one year, and it devastated him because. He never the, the money that he did make. He was blowing it on everything, so he's left with nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was a terrible situation. Well, speaking of crazy money, did you guys see the Warren Buffett lunch? Not the, what it was a they, he auction every. I think he does this every year. He auctions off, at which I believe the money goes to a charity. I believe is what happens with it. Uh, he offers he auctions off a lunch with him. And so it went for four point five million dollars. Wow! To dude. sit to sit wait, and wait, just to have each, lunch with him each ticket. No, one ticket. One ticket, one one ticket one was ticket four million dollars. To have, yeah, to have. Was this a CEO of another company or who was this? Justin Sun. Justin Sun, who's the owner of the eleventh largest Bitcoin Tron. Oh. And that's what's kind of cool about this lunch and why I find it interesting is because uh, Warren Buffett has openly come out and talked against Bitcoin since the beginning. Yep. In fact, part of why I think half the people are still like on the, oh, I don't think it's going to happen is because of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett has such an influence on on the market. Oh, and yeah. when someone like that comes out and says, nah, Bitcoin ain't, ain't mm-hmm. going to happen. Nah. And so he's been anti-Bitcoin. So this guy, Justin Sun, is now having a lunch with him who is creator of of the Tron Bitcoin, which is the 11th largest one. So it'll be a very interesting uh, lunch or to hear what happens after. So this crypto this crypto pioneer paid $4.5 million? Yes. To to have- have- <laughs> wow. So this auction just wow. happened. The lunch itself hasn't happened yet? Lunch hasn't happened yet. The auction just happened. He won it. And yeah, so- that'll be an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah, well, what's, what's crazy about, you're right, Adam, about people with that much influence, Warren Buffett can do a single tweet and cause a, yeah the market to move cause wow. it to move yeah wow. you know just yeah. one like one thing like um 
you know, uh, you know, I don't like this. Tesla is an interesting yeah. company. Not sure if I'd invest in them. Boom, stock trip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know these guys fuck with each other all the time oh, with that, yeah. right? Of like course. These big investors will oh, try to fuck with each other. What was it? One of the Kardashians like said something like, "Oh, this is lame." Or, you know, like some tech uh, thing, and oh, then it just dropped. Like, was it Snapchat or something yes. like yeah. that? Snapchat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like crashed, she's, crashed her stock. She talked shit about him, and she said Snapchat's dead, and then clicked. And off they died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, what the? How dare they have this much power? Oh yeah. Speaking yeah. of power. Um, I was in the back there because you guys know my boy's working right now. I was in the back there and I was like, he's, you know, hey, you want a snack, buddy? And he's like, sure. Yeah. I'm like, you know what he would probably like? The peanut butter chocolate skinny dipped almonds. Oh, no. <laughs> and guess what I didn't oh, find, no. Adam? <laughs> we had like 10 bags. That's not me, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, who do you we think? didn't have 10 bags. There was dude. a was lot like of bags. Four. Justin. 10? I'm just saying. 10 guy? Listen, okay. I had to, I had to make sure that I stocked up because every time I go in there, like all that's left is the raspberry ones. Who, I mean, I know Sal loves them. Yeah. I don't. Tana I need, loves those ones too. I need the the peanut butter chocolate. Yeah, that's all, my fix. We're all the like we're all such sharing giving people. But when it comes to <laughs> yeah. fucking, I've learned what I have to do now. This is be, like survival be, mode. Become a bunch of scarcity for this guy. Peanut butter and cheese, man. Yeah. That's it. I'm gonna make you a peanut butter and cheesecake. Let's <laughs> keep adding to peanut that butter list. and cheesecake coming your way. No, yeah. I literally I open the back and I'm looking through. There's little, there's other bags of other flavors, mostly raspberry. Thanks, yeah. Justin. Yeah. And I'm no looking problem. and I'm like, where's the peanut? What the fuck, man? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh. No, I took them all home. It because my kids love them too, and it's it's one of those things Look, where these your kids. You know, <laughs> come on, man! I have to use my kid. I eat a lot of them. I'm you not gonna you're, lie. You know you're not giving them to your I'm kids. I'm not lying, dude. They eat so they well they find them and I get pissed, but yeah, they still. See, get them. So whatever that means, but I bring them home because it's like there's no treats in my house. That's like as close as we get. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like I enjoy those. Every Trying now to make and then. me feel bad. You're like, yeah. oh, I got kids too. I got kids, man. <laughs> I got kids. I gotta feed them, but they're not getting any. No. Gosh damn it. No, they gotta fight for them, yeah. just like I fight for them here. Yeah, dude. Speaking <laughs> of fighting, there was this article that was shared uh, yesterday that got my got me a little um, hyped up. And it's about um, the title of the article is considering the male dispos- disposability hypothesis. Anyway, oh, it talks about. Say. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I can't say it right now. It talks about how men are. Uh, you know, we 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 throw them out in the battle. More of them are murdered if if a man and a woman perform the same crime. Men are typically punished uh, much more harshly. Blah blah blah. Wow wow wow. Um, and it's funny, underneath this article, this was posted on Facebook, I haven't done this in a long time, but what I used to do back in the day is I would comment under an article and see if I could get into a discussion with someone, um, and that's oftentimes how I learn. And so I get on there and I comment and I said, well, I said a lot of the behaviors that we have towards each other come from uh, evolution. I said, evolutionarily speaking, men are far more disposable. Um, than women. And boy, did I get a bunch of pissed off dudes oh, coming yeah. after me. And I'm like, it's true, dude. I said, listen, I said, the reason why we say things like, you know, women and children first, when like a ship sinking, right? Women, yeah. you think it's all about dudes trying to act tough, which it's sure there's, there's that piece also, but it comes from evolutionarily speaking. If you have a society and you lose 90% of the men. Let's say there's a there's a there's a war and, and 90% of the men die. So well, you have one man 10%. Can, one yeah. man can impregnate 100 yeah, women. That's what I'm saying. Society will survive. It's yeah. not going to be a problem. You eliminate I don't know what the number is, but it's something like 
fifty percent of the women or something like that, uh, you're screwed. You're done. Yeah. Because women obviously can only have one birth every nine months or every ten months or whatever after she, you know, she recovered. And um, and so men just we have always been more disposable, which is probably why we treat, you know, why these behaviors have happened throughout all these societies where, you know, we say that like women and children first, protect the women, protect the children. Guys go out there and, you know, donate your body or whatever. Yeah. So, and it was, it was, it was an interesting debate and discussion, but you had a bunch of guys who were like, yeah, men are more homeless and we have all these more problems. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I'm like, but nature, nature evolved that way. Like it takes more risks uh, with men, and it's true. If you look at um, all the, the the risks that that evolution takes on men, we tend to suffer more from higher rates of things like mental illness and stuff like that. And it's because it, nature can roll the dice more. They got to be safer with the women. I've never I mean? heard of the. I you know I've never thought of the statistic for men being there's way more homeless men than there are women. Far more. And mm-hmm. I, without even seeing the stat, now that I'm, I'm like recalling, I'm like man, it's rare that I actually see. A homeless woman, I, you see homeless men all the time. Yeah. Why, why is that? And they've done, because instinctually, I think, and, and societally speaking, we view men as being, uh, well, we view men as being tougher. They can handle more probably, we think, right? Oh, they can handle more of the, the elements. But I think also, evolutionarily speaking, there's there's that instinct in us that it's like, we need to, like, if we if the women die, we're all done. Like, we're going to end. Men can, we can, they can, they can die. So we tend to, like women tend to get more money when they're homeless or more food and children, of course. Do we count this in more. the gender pay gap? Uh, no, that doesn't. Oh, that's bull, that's bullshit, dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and I'm not making the case for like one against the other, yeah. but this is just the truth, um, you know, evolutionarily speaking. This is why our attitudes towards men in some of those cases are that way. It's just why men went off to battle. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, the physical strength aspect, but, you know, nowadays it's less and less of an importance because of modern technology. But again, you don't want your you don't want your women go off and, and die because then you're, you can't procreate enough to sustain. Yeah, it's know. just funny that we have to, like, dance around, you know, subject matter like that where it's like, you know, we, we, we can't state, like, what we see anymore. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's it's too politicized in in so this was a man's group that was like supporting it was men's just, rights it or was just yeah and it was just you know what's happening right now is and i know why these, there's all these pissed off guys is that the other side has gone so extreme yeah and is you know you have this like this small minority that's very vocal that's blaming men for everything um and it's all it's doing is it's it's awakening it's opposing yeah. extreme side so now you've got all these dudes who were like men? We're the oppressed ones, and men. We need to, you know, you know, be men, and you know, all that well, shit. It's like, all right, calm y- down. Yeah, the only thing I see, and again, yeah, and I, I kind of, yeah, I, I dismiss a lot of like the the whining, complaining stuff I, I read and see from that that camp. But the one thing I do, you know, pay attention to, like some of the laws, you know, in terms of like having rights to your kids and things like that, where you know a lot of these guys get screwed in, totally. in divorce, and so totally. like my sister in law is an attorney for uh you know a divorce divorce attorney and so she's always like like trying to get like men clients and help them out with this because it is very tough you know uh, it's very much more leaning towards you know uh women stereotypes exist for both sides some of it is uh based in some truth but when you look at the individual it always always you know always breaks down but what is the general truth right Uh, men are more likely to abandon their children voluntarily they Mm -hmm. just are so if you look at a single parent the odds that a single parent who has full custody 
that the odds that they're a woman are far higher than if they're a man. Um, the odds that if, if that men are going to be violent are higher than women, that men are going to be more abusive towards children are higher than women. And so I think we, we understand some of those generalities um, that are based in some truth, but mm. then we apply it to the individual. So then you look at the, you get a divorce and you look at this guy who's a good man, good father, whatever, but he's less likely to get the same, you know, the, the same judgment as the woman. He's, he's less likely to be, have the visitation rights or have the custody. And if they have an argument, it's a, it's his word against hers. Right. Oftentimes the judge will listen uh, to the woman and the guy's kind of screwed. So, but anyway, it was just an interesting, speaking of uh, kind of along this subject a little bit, there was this, crazy article that someone shared me about so there was this young man who uh gotten a mo- i think it was a motorcycle accident if i'm not mistaken and his parents uh had really wanted him to uh have a child at one point but the kid the guy was dying so they got approval to extract sperm from their dying son what and they're using it dying or dead he was dying and now he's probably dead okay and now they're using it to to make themselves a grandson. It's kind of weird. A little bit, right? It's like, yeah, that's creepy. That's a little weird. Isn't that a little bit weird? How, what's the story sound like when Grandpa sits down with his kid? I don't, I don't, I know that's weird, huh? How did my dad or whatever? Yeah. And did he have a girlfriend or somebody in mind, like yeah, at the time, or is this like a? They put it to a, send it to a bank. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but it says here. So they first they got the. The uh, the sperm from him as he was dying. Then he died, and then they had to ask uh, the court for permission to use their late son's sperm to produce a child. And they ha- they picked uh, a male sperm because they wanted a a male heir heir or whatever. Uh-huh. How weird, wow. right? Yeah, that's that's like just a mind. My mind's blown. I mean, that's I modern. Don't know how to respond to that? Yeah, modern science. Yeah, you know, but just yeah, a normal new pr- things that you wouldn't even have thought of. Normal family, famous, anything about him? No, I mean the kid was apparently uh, he was a West Point cadet. He was uh, oh, it was a skiing accident. Is what happened. Mm. Um, he always dreamed of having children or this and that or whatever. Um, no, other than that, there's nothing too crazy about it. Other than the fact that he was dying and they they t- they took his sperm and now got a court they got court permission. To make themselves a grandkid. Wow. How, how wild is that? And so are they planning I mean, I, on raising this kid? Or? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I'm assuming that he, he if he was dying and he wasn't dead yet, he gave the approval. And then then in that case, I, I don't see, I wouldn't, you'd probably want it too, right? I mean, if you were going, especially, okay. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, had have, a I wouldn't have thought somebody, of this. Somebody like, let's say me, right? Who, who, before, I mean, obviously I have a kid on the way, but if I didn't have a kid on the way and I had a skiing accident and I, and I was about to go, and Katrina's like, "I want to have your son." I would say, "Absolutely, take it from me." Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think with any, with no hesitation. So, with, I mean, but the, you have a partner and everything. Well, that's what I'm. I this mean, is, they don't have. He didn't have it. They just. Are you sure? Yeah, it didn't. It said that they didn't say anything about that. Fuck. Well, yeah. I mean, even then, though, I guess if my if my if my parents came to me and I'm the maybe the the last male Schaefer, and we want to carry yeah. the name on, well, and this is yeah, this is the beginning, man. Exactly. This is the beginning. Exactly. Like, like think about now too. Yeah, loved ones that have are passing. You just get their DNA. Clone them. You clone them. I mean, that's that's not. In the, oh my God. That's not in the distant future anymore. I know. That's it, crazy. What about hyper? You know, super narcissistic celebrity wealthy people, which a lot of them exist. Right. Wanting to <laughs> clone have, themselves. Have their own. Yeah. Have themselves as their child. 
Like, I'm going to clone myself and raise yeah, myself. Because I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm awesome. Look at you, little Justin. I love yeah. you. Could you imagine? <laughs> you imagine? Seriously. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is the truth now. Yeah. Justin, I know you're, you you understand this. Yes. Part of the – there's this interesting narcissism that happens when you have your own kids. Like, parents love to hear about how much their kids are like them. Yeah. Even if it's a shitty thing. Yes. Like, oh, your son likes – he pees on the floor like you do on accident. You're like, that's my boy. You know, there's yeah. a part of – The last thing you want to hear is that your kid looks like your significant other or like somebody else in your family, or nothing, not you. Or nothing like you. Yeah, or like your in-laws. <laughs> totally different than like me. The right? milkman. Yeah, yeah or, or like your in-laws or something like that. Yeah. He's got your father-in-law's uh, you know, Yeah, exactly. Like, Fuck that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Even if he's a cool no, guy. that's my boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, think about that, right? You have your kid, like yeah. Adam, you're going to have your boy, and you're like, oh, my God, he's just like I am. Look at this. It's so cool. Yeah. Like it's only like, it's a small step. It's, it's there, but it's a little. Yeah. You know, but this is like full blown. People are gonna clone themselves and just oh raise themselves. God. It's totally gonna happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's totally gonna happen. <laughs> How are we gonna stop this? <laughs> what would you do if you raised yourself? Like your actual self? It would wow. well what'd be trippy about it is like that, I'm gonna give you the best work. It would be the closest like, thing. I know you to, like cheese. It'd be Here the closest thing to making you feel like you're living on. Like, I mean, if you're literally raising yourself, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm gonna I'll be leaving this body and you got it from here, bro. But will they have the same personality and all that? I have that? to be. Obviously, well, if, you some clone, of it, if you clone it. Well, I would think most of it because you're being raised by yourself. But How what about you? the nurture, right? Because you got the nature there, but the nurture changes, right? Because all the variables. Dude, well, how weird would it be? I mean, you would think it would be you on you'd be you on steroids in every aspect, yeah. meaning like you maybe would, you would enhance every every good attribute and you would hopefully suppress every well, bad think about, attribute. Well, think about it this way. Every time you mess with it though, there's a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Because okay, think about it this way. Like you're a you're an honest, hardworking, uh, you know, successful person, right, Adam? It could be evil shape. What if you what if you had a what if you cloned yourself? Okay. So it's a clone of you, right? Right, right. But now he's being raised in a you know in a nice household, intact. Right, right. right. You guys have now money. That's a good point. You're a good you know good supportive father, whatever. Yeah. And he grows up and he's just a lazy, he's super shit. lazy, like annoying. Yeah. He's like fuck. Yeah. Like <laughs> I should have fucking like, put him through the I'm shit. Put you back in the box. I created you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how weird would that yeah. be? No, then you room. Then you I, realize all your own challenges are part of the reason why you're, you know, you're successful. Well, fuck, I realize that now. I mean, that's what I think. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> ho I think I think parents make this mistake all the time. I mean, I I, I know I see, uh, and I know my uncle deals with this. But you see him with his kids, and I know he had a really rough childhood and a lot of adversity, and then was very successful. But he had kids pretty young, like in his mid to, mid to late 20s. And so I don't think he had fully, like, he's definitely not as wise and mature as he is now in his 60s. And I think he, looking back, he realizes, like, fuck, I let my, and I've said this to you guys before, if I would have had a kid at 25, I would have allowed my insecurities to go right into my son because I was still at that point of like wanting to prove that I'm successful and wanting to, and to show it and be it that the next easiest thing to do. Oh, I have a two year old. Oh yeah, he's rolling around in a fucking expensive bike. He's got all these sneakers. He's yeah. got all yeah. like I would have just transferred all of that into him because it's really a reflection of myself. But now I'm older and wiser, and so sure I'll have uh, an urge to want to do that. Yeah. But then I'll stop and I'll catch myself. But there's go, also a reserve, right? You're like they need struggle, right? There's yeah. nothing like kids to pull out your insecurities, though. Oh, it's so man. it's so true. It's a constant battle. Yeah. Oh, just like like allowing the struggle or intervening. Sometimes it, they'll happen, and you're fully aware of that it's coming from a place of insecurity, and you can't even stop it. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's well, the I, can crazy. Ima- I can imagine. Yeah, that's, this reminds me of. Do you guys remember that? That uh, it was like a documentary. I think it was on Netflix of those triplets, mm-hmm. those 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 dudes that got separated at birth. Oh, right, and they didn't know about each other. They didn't know about each yeah, other, and it great. turned out to be an experiment. What a where, crazy story! Yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna ruin, I'm gonna spoil this for people if they haven't watched it, but watch it anyway. It's awesome. They took three boys. And it, what they ended up discovering was that these three boys were separated at birth. They were at an orphanage. They were separated and put into different types of households to be studied, and they didn't even know. They were triplets, right? Triplets. Yeah, yeah. So, like, one was in Great a wealthy show. home, yeah, one was, yeah. like, middle class, one was lower and was, class. And they, so they, they were all over, like, I think this was in the 80, early 80s. They were all over, like, the, and it wasn't Ellen back then, but it was, like, all the talk shows. Yeah, like Phil Donahue. And And the first time that they all got together, they were already, you could, it was so funny, finishing each other's sentences and... Like, a lot of crazy similarities, but then there were also some crazy differences based off of the way that they were raised, and I don't want to spoil it for people, but... That documentary blew me away. So yeah, raising your own self. Now, what do you guys? What, what comes? <laughs> what comes to mind for yeah, both of experience. you guys when you think of like your insecurities that you've allowed bleed into your kid, even though you know it? Like you made a statement, like Sal, you, you know, you you know it's an insecurity of yours. You struggle with it, and yet you still do do it with your kids. What are what's an example? Well, of that? my my current difficult insecurity that I'm that I'm still working through um, just has more to do with around divorcing my kid's mom and you know am I being a good father am I do they like being at my house do they like being with me um, you know am I damaging them am I doing a good job that's the mind fuck that I'm going through right now and it's all based on my own insecurity which uh and I, I identify that it's an insecurity but it's really fucking hard dude so do you catch yourself yeah. uh you know being more lenient on something that you feel firm about because you don't want to be the the disciplinary or you don't want to be the, the dad who's totally here. totally well, my, my household is is much more uh regimented and strict they have more responsibilities at my house part of the reason why I, I think we're, I push a little bit more in that direction is because I know the leniency that they have. Their mom's a great mom, by the way. It's just much more lenient there. And when you're, you know, it, it would be different if we were both in the same house because they would be balanced, but we're not. So I think over there, they get far more, far less responsibility. She does more shit for them. When they come to my house, it's like you got to do a lot of your own stuff. But then that always causes a little bit of a struggle, right? Uh, the struggle being uh, both for the kids, but also for me internally. Because it's like, ah, oh, man, they're going to come here and they hate it here because mm. then, you know, I'm the one telling them, wash your dish, make your bed, make sure you do this, don't do that. And you right. get in trouble if you don't. And, you know, you're not allowed to be on electronics, you know, nonstop as much as you want because here I, I want to make sure, that, you know, yeah, whatever. I, I feel like you're a parent, though, and what, what I think is unique and really special about you is you're not the type of parent, which I think is terrible to be this way, where you, because I told you so. You're the type of parent that when you do things like that, and if they push back or they fight you, you sit down and you explain what you're teaching them yeah. and showing them. Because, and even if they grumbly go do whatever it is they're doing, that that converse behind it. exactly the purpose and the and the conversation of you explaining while why you're setting these rules in place, why you're doing this. It may bother them right now, but mm-hmm. 10, 15 years from now. When those things play a role in their success in life later on, whether that be in relationships or organization or business or whatever, they'll reflect and look back on that because you've instilled that, and they'll, they'll remember the structure. Fuck like, yeah, there. Yeah. fuck yeah. yeah they Otherwise, will. there's no structure. Right now, they might not. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's the that's the shitty thing about insecurities is that they defy logic. Like yeah. logically, I totally. can sit here and talk, 
and and I understand what you're saying is uh, you're right, 100% right. In fact, I agree with all of it. It's it's in the moment when it happens. And what's funny is that bef- and here's the the life cycle of a deep insecurity. And I went through this with body image issues, which I'm on I'm way on the other end of now. It took me a long time is before you even realize that step one is to even realize it's you have an insecurity mm-hmm. because what ends up happening is you just have feelings you don't even put words to them you just feel a particular way and sometimes because you're of your fear in facing your insecurities you strengthen the opposing side so like body image issues for example I I before I even could put words to the fact that I was insecure about my skinny body or whatever. I was just, I had bad feelings about it and I would strengthen the other side. Oh, I'm just working out. I love fitness. Oh, I just like building muscle. That's just what I, whatever. And it, without even identifying or putting words to the insecurity. So I'm at the point now where I've identified it. Now I have to kind of work through it. But for a little while there, it's like when my kids would come to my house and I knew they were coming to my house, I'd get anxious. I couldn't figure out what the fuck. I, and, I, and I didn't even put words to it. I just knew I felt anxious. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. Now I know, like, oh, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? Oh, because I feel yeah. like they're not going to have a good time. I don't feel like they don't want to be here. I'm going to have to tell them to do all this stuff. And so, but when you're in the moment, dude, it's yeah. it's, it's it's now, Justin, you don't what? have a you don't have a, a situation like that with a I, divorce. But yeah, you- no, but I definitely can identify with that struggle because I I I have that same insecurity to where like I feel like I'm always the authoritarian. I'm always the one that's uh, restricting fun time. You know, the one that's like not taking them out to ice cream. I'm not the one that's constantly thinking of like the fun, you know, eventful things to do on the weekend. I'm thinking about all the chores and, you know, I'm thinking about structure and I'm thinking about, uh, you know, how to how to provide the, the struggle, you know, and that's like I get too fixated on that. And it's like, and I, and I realize that and I have to pull myself back out of that because it is, it is definitely, I like, I don't. That that's part of it, but but really, I think the the main insecurity for me uh, that I I deal with my oldest because he's like he's a very like sweet loving kid that like is very uh, thoughtful and like does all these things for people and I love that about him. But I'm always trying to toughen him up, you know, because like it for me, I I just want to look out for him. Like I want him to like make sure that he is resilient to people that will take advantage of that or like. Um, you know, like he doesn't have like a good defense, like system, you know, about him. Like I'm always like thinking about that. Cause I, I felt those things as, as a kid too. Like I had to go through a lot of shitty experiences to realize I had to be a little tougher, you yeah. know? And, uh, like I just see that potentially happening where, you know, some kid is just going to punk him really hard, yeah. you know, for doing something nice. And, uh, so that's, but at the same time, I want to foster it, you know, like I love it. Like, I love that he's that, you know, considerate and loving to people, but now, now because you're the kind of, you feel like you're the authoritarian all the time and you know, which makes me feel like the Courtney's the ice cream giver and the play and the easygoing. Does that cause conflict between the two of you? Like, are you like, does it bother you to where you're kind of getting on to her? Like, man, fuck, I need you to drop the hammer every once in a while. I can't always be the dick. Yeah sometimes but for the most time i'm trying to help kind of coach her up to uh gain more because the thing is is like it's a power struggle of of paying attention and listening and a lot of times like i'll get them to listen real quickly and then she gets frustrated like how do you how do you get them to do that and it's it's just that i say I'm something scary. and then i do it <laughs> yeah, exactly there's that part of it too i, yeah. got, I got tricks yeah. but uh you know like that's 
it's just it's it's a balance between the two of us like it's a good balance like she she does she does like have times where she'll you know muster up the little bit of the scare the little bit of just like the real firm uh tone of voice and like trying but she hates doing it you know and so it's like i'm always trying to just help coach i'm curious to be that i have a feeling that this will be katrina and i a challenge that katrina and i will have yeah and i say that because i see it in the i mean because her and i have the two bulldogs. We got them together, right? So we've had them for seven, eight years now. It, it, Bentley's eight, right? And Mozzie's six. And that's how they act with with me and her. And she's, so when they get sick or they don't feel good, they'll cuddle up next to her and she's always petting and loving them. And they, they seek her out for love and yep. comfort all the yep. time. But then if they're acting up or being little shits or like that, I mean, she can be yelling and they won't li- they could be fighting and she can't get them to stop or anything like that. And all I got to do is like stomp my foot or raise yeah. my voice a little bit and <laughs> they just so stop. That's some of the down. sacrifice, right? You see that. Like she gets a lot more love, like a lot more hugs, a lot more snuggles. You know, I'm is like that all the cold kid? on okay. the couch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, man. It's, it's, it's all good. Like there's whatever. It's a balance. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, one of the hardest challenges is uh, – you want to protect your kids from everything, but that's not a good thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want your kid to get picked on and have to deal with that. Or you don't want your kid to fall down or get hurt. You don't want them to have this challenge. And so you find yourself trying to constantly like prepare them and protect them, which is a lot of times not the right thing to do. Like the right thing to do is to let it happen. And then when it happens, then you're there and you support them and whatever. Right. But man, it's it's a it's a tough one, man, because you just want to like you want to wrap them up in bubble t- you know bubble tape or whatever. You want to make sure that nobody fucks with them, and you know don't go over here because the kids might pick on you and do this over here. It's like okay, yeah. what the fuck? What are we? we you know, <laughs> like, what's here, going? We're gonna learn how to take a punch. No, I was just. Like, <laughs> Daddy's gonna yeah, show no, you. No, I was thinking about <laughs> this. I was thinking about this a lot actually yesterday because uh, you know I was talking to my son on the way home and I was telling him about when I used to work with my dad. And I remember, I, I think of it fondly, but to be quite honest, when I was doing it and he working for my dad- probably hated it. I did, yeah, come on. It's summertime. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. And I'm going to go out in the cold and shovel shit and fucking work. And if I don't work fast enough, then you know I'm going to get yelled at or whatever. And yeah, there were definitely good times and stuff. But I, I, I tell you what, that's where I learned a lot of my take care of myself type of responsibility. Because, I mean, I, I love both my parents to death. They're phenomenal parents. My mom was phenomenal, but my mom did everything. I mean, that was like the classic stereotype of the Italian mama's boy. Mom make me my my breakfast, she make my lunch, she make my, you know, my bed for me, do all my stuff. Cut all the crusts off. Yeah. So then I go to work with my dad, and I'm like, you know, I'm thirsty, and my dad looks at me like, well, fucking go find some water. What do you want me for me? You know what I mean? Okay, (laughs) I'll go find some. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and we don't we'd open our lunch, and they'd be like, oh, you know, you know, what are you having for lunch? I'd be like, I don't know. And he'd be like, you didn't bring anything. Like oh shit okay so, you know, I got I got to think of this it's not just there yeah, yeah I got to think of this guy you know and you know I I'd, I'd do some work for him and I'd leave a mess and he'd be like do you think I'm gonna clean <laughs> your mess yeah. and there were all these guys that worked for him and they'd all look at me like and you know you feel automatically like oh shit I gotta oh, I gotta like take care of myself and uh, I look back and it's like that was very very valuable yeah uh, you know a valuable uh, lesson for me I should say. <laughs> to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. 
fucking claw. The eagle has landed. Quee-quaw. All right, our first question is from Capsi91. What's the biggest difference between Prime and Prime Pro? If I get Prime Pro, do I have a need for Prime? I, I picked this question because, and I and not for the shameless plug so much, although it probably will come off that way. Um, this is probably the most popular uh, question that I get. And I think we've even talked off air before sometimes, like, did we make the mistake by naming them this, uh, a similar thing so people mm-hmm. get confused on on exactly what the difference is. So. Yeah, we, we actually had a quite a debate when we even named the program yeah. uh, Prime Pro because we created Prime first, Prime Pro second, and there was a large debate as to whether or not we should even name it Prime Pro because uh, we knew we, we thought it would get confused with, with Prime. Um, they are totally different uh, programs um, in the sense that... So here's the deal. With Maps Prime, the idea was to help people design and individualize for themselves what their pre-workout priming session should look like. Now, for people who aren't familiar with the term terminology that I'm using right now, a priming session is, uh, for lack of a better term, your warm-up. Well, and, and I think it's important to share right here that this comes from our experience of what it looked like the first day of assessing somebody. I mean, when mm-hmm. somebody first walks in, I've never met you before, and I'm about to design a program for you. The first thing that I want to do is assess your movement, and I want to see what you've got what you've got going on, so I can then program specific movements to address your imbalances. Because we all got them; everybody's got imbalances. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. It's just a matter of how bad they are, how detrimental they can be to your your lifting routine. And so we've broken up this in three zones, three zones that we find extremely important to test. And then from there, it points you in the direction of what movements you should do to start your workout. Yeah. Now, now some of you may be thinking, like, what's what's so important about your warm up or priming? Well, okay. So back in the day, a warm up, the the goal uh, of the warm up was just to prevent you from hurting yourself, uh, which is not a bad goal. Um, that's actually a, a pretty good goal. the The problem is you shouldn't just stop there. Yes, you can do a warm-up to help prevent injury, but if you want to take it to the next level, your warm-up can actually make your workout more effective. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, think about the last time you, you did squats and how many sets it took you before you felt like you were in the groove of doing your squat, where you were like, yes, I feel like I'm connected, everything's moving right, I can push up the weight, I can exert maximal force and really reap the benefits of this phenomenal exercise. Well, with priming, if you do it properly, it'll set you up right away. Right away, you'll get into your exercise and you'll feel in- connected like you're moving properly. And it's not just getting the body to move and, and, and warmed up. It's, it's actually quite individual. So to give you a good example, a very simple example, if you're somebody that has really bad forward shoulder, and forward shoulder is literally how it sounds, somebody whose shoulders roll forward. Which almost everybody has this. A lot of people have this, and to varying degrees. Some people are worse than others uh, because we work on our computers and, and, and our phones, and we don't really do lots of exercises or movements behind us. So our shoulders tend to roll forward. And what ends up happening is muscles uh, kind of form themselves into your most uh, common positions. Um, so with forward shoulder, you tend to get tightness uh, across the chest. 
Um, the muscles of the mid back are lengthened; they tend to be weakened, um, and you you your body learns how to move best in this position, this suboptimal position. So let's say you have forward shoulder and you're going to go do bench press. Well, when you're doing a proper bench press, the best form you can do is with a high chest, shoulders pinched back and down. So you have this, this kind of retracted scapular position. Elbows are not totally tucked, but slightly tucked to bring the bar down, press it up. That just places your shoulder in the best position to minimize injury, but it also maximizes activation of the muscles that you're you're using to press the weight up, and it's the best leverage that will allow you to lift the most weight. So across the board, that's the form that's going to give you the best results from the bench press. But if you have forward shoulder, which is the opposite of that, right? Forward shoulder, shoulders rolled forward. You want to be able to prime your body so that when you get under the bench press, that position is very natural and feels very good. But if you always have forward shoulder, it may take you four, five, six sets or never to get in that position. Now, as personal trainers who, you know, after working with people for years, we started to learn uh, warm up hacks before priming even existed. I started to realize if I have this person do an, a movement that's going to retract and depress their scapula, if I do a cable row with really good form and squeeze back there. If I do some mobility work in the shoulders, uh, if I get good core activation uh, by doing some priming movements, then we get in the bench press, boom, form is good, and we're reaping the maximum benefits from this exercise. Mm -hmm. So that's what priming is, and well, that's and, what my mass and, prime does. And how do you know if you're that person? How do you know if you're somebody who has forward shoulders or what exercise you should do? That's the purpose of the... The compass for, tests. Right. Yes, because yeah. it because it, it allows you to test your own body, identify what your movement patterns look like, and then you design your own pr priming session for your own body. Yeah, so I think in terms of like the difference of the two, I look at prime as mainly being uh, like a pre-post-workout protocol uh, to optimize uh, all your workouts uh, the most effective way possible uh, individually, like based off of what um, you know, it's spit out from your tests that you've either passed or failed. And so we have a basically like a, a protocol of, of if you didn't pass this zone, then here's some ec group of exercises to work on that will help to enhance that process further. So you can squat your best, you can deadlift your best, you can bench press your best, and it's going to put you in a good position uh, to where like now you're going to benefit even more out of your workouts. And then if you get into, so it's more like of a surface sort of um uh, we're, we're, we're really like trying to, to look for more of a bird's eye view of your, your movement quality and how to, how to apply like better movement patterns to where prime pro we're taking a more below the surface, like, you know, a deeper look at like the, the quality of your movement, how to help enhance it. So you don't have pain anymore. Well, yeah, we looked at, I mean, with prime pro, we dove into every single uh, major joint in your body. And we address that. And I, what I, and Prime Pro is correctional. It's yeah, correctional yeah, exercise. Yeah, exactly. This is more gear. This is like, I think every trainer, first of all, should own them both. But if you're a client that has a lot of aches and pains and dysfunction in your joints, so you have a lot of achy joints, like Prime Pro is where I, I recommend to all these people is like, you need to 
go and look at the joint nearest to all that achiness that you have going on and address it by doing these correctional exercises. And so it takes you through every major joint in the body, and then it has coaching tips on how to do these movements properly to to make them effective and like correctional work. So. Yeah, so like let's say you're somebody who has uh, hip pain um, from squatting, and you do good priming, and you squat, and it feels better, but it's still it's still an issue. My hip still bothers me. You're going to need deeper correctional exercise. That's where Prime Pro comes into play. And with correctional exercise, pure correctional exercise, you're not working out a whole lot. You're doing correctional exercise. And what I mean by that is you're not doing your regular workout. So if you're somebody that's got like a chronic shoulder problem and you're just like, it always kind of bothers me, you're probably going to want to stop doing exercises, your traditional workout for your shoulders and maybe even for your chest. Just do correctional exercise for that area, for your shoulder and your shoulder blade from like the ones you find in Prime Pro. Do that for like a couple weeks, then go back, do your regular workout Prime properly and see how you move. And so that's really the breakdown. Uh, and Adam's 100% right. Uh, Prime Pro is, if you're a personal trainer, that is the program that you get. And why? Because, I mean, when we looked back, and that was another thing that we saw with the problem that we saw with a lot of the digital programs that were out there, when we talked about, you know, what what did you have to, when you programmed for a, a client, what did you guys have to do probably 60% of the time? Like, rarely ever did I have a very standard, you know, program where they got to weight train all the way, like half of the, half of the workout was correctional stuff because I, my client, my average client was 45 to 50 and, had put, had had excess body fat on them for quite some time and had all or had surgery somewhere and so they most of my clients that came to me sure they wanted to lose 30 pounds of body fat but even more importantly they wanted to feel better and they had aches and pains so there was many times where I wasn't barbell squatting like I would like to because I was doing so much correctional work and when I think of my clients they, they it was more common than not that I was doing correctional work with with people. And so. the the irony is, as a personal trainer, the value that you're going to bring a client, boy, nothing brings more value than being able to do, use correctional exercise in a way to get them to move better and to get rid of pain. Yeah. If you do that, I'll tell you something. Solutions. Right now. Yeah. You get a client to lose 30 pounds. Great job. Congratulations. They're probably real happy. You get a client who has chronic back pain to not have pain anymore. You are God, you are a miracle worker. You, chronic pain reminds you every single day. It makes life unbearable. And if you're a trainer and you understand correctional exercise, you apply it properly. Wow, you have you've got a client for life. This is how I built all my value was right here, hundred percent. The weight loss and all that stuff was easy afterwards. Oh, yeah. This was all the hard stuff, and that's no. These clients are gold, and the, they, they they stay with you forever. Uh, absolutely, because you solved a problem that they've probably been dealing with for five to ten years. That they've seen, you know, they've seen their doctor. They've taken ibuprofen. I used to have clients. I mean, how many times have you guys had this? Uh, where a client you talk to them about their pain, they're like, "Yeah, I take four ibuprofen every day, and my back feels okay if I do that every day." Yeah. yeah. Every day they take it. Then you do some correctional exercise. They no longer have to take medication. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's seriously life changing. But as far as priming is concerned, this is a good conversation. Besides the programs, I really want to make this point. What you do to warm your body up, that first ten minutes to fifteen minutes, depending on how much you need to warm up before your workout, can make or break your workout. It's that big 
of a deal. Uh, it will make that big of an impact, especially as you get older. Especially as I you mean, get older, it's like it, it multiplies by a hundred every every five years you yeah. add to your life. And, and it's not yeah. just that, especially as you get stronger. So yeah. even if you're yeah, young, that's a good point too. You know, even if you're young and you're like, ah, I don't need, you know, I don't have any aches and pains, but I'm, you know, benching three hundred fifty pounds and I'm squatting four hundred pounds. Makes a big difference. Oh yeah! Like you prime properly, you can add. How and do you keep your shoulder healthy with all this new excess of weight that now you're you're being able to get up? When I first learned how to prime properly, I added uh, five pounds on average to most of my PRs just because I primed properly and I was able to activate my CNS better and generate more force, uh, whatever through the floor and a deadlift or, or whatever. So it makes that big of a difference. The, 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 the problem is priming is very, very individual. So look at your own self. If you don't want to invest in one of our programs, um, look at your own self. You know where your issues are. Prime your body so that those issues uh, are no longer issues when you do your heavy lifts. So if you have uh, your, an excess curve in your low back, you have an anterior pelvic tilt, try to do exercises that strengthen the opposing. If you have, If your knees cave in, or, or, or bow out bow out too much, or you have hip issues, work on some hip uh, activation type movements. If you have issues where your heels want to come off the floor, work on ankle mobility, priming type movements. Look at your own individual body and individualize your warm-up, and it will make a tremendous difference in not only how the workout feels, but in your progress long-term. Next question is from Jacob J.T. Calvert. How do you get through the times when you can't access a lot of clean calories due to bad planning or just unexpected life events? You know, this has changed for me a lot. And then a lot of that is, and I know we've shared on the show, our like insecurities and one of my major ones being the skinny kid trying to build muscle is I was scared shitless if I was in the middle of like hardcore training and dieting and trying to build muscle and all of a sudden I had a, you know, three, five day hiatus where I was either on vacation or traveling or would not have access to my protein shake and my two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and my can of tuna. And like, <laughs> if I didn't have access to this, holy fuck, all that work I just did for the last yeah. month or two was going to fall right off. And I absolutely felt like that because I would, I feel like I would deflate, the scale would drop a few pounds. And so I would never do what I do today, which is funny because Today, I, uh, I I now obviously understand and realize that, dude, I'm not going to lose any muscle. In fact, it'll probably end up benefiting me if I just fast or go without some food, skip a few meals. There's nothing that's going to – and, and you don't have to completely fast, but there's days where I'll go two, three days in a row where I'll have 900 calories. Now, I would never recommend this to somebody who has an eating disorder or is already starving their body, but somebody who stays well-fed, well-trained on a regular basis, and then all of a sudden I don't have access to the ideal foods for me, that's where I'll just eat way less calories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was so similar. You and I are very similar in that respect. I'm, I ruined a lot of vacations uh, for myself and people around me because – like, you know, on vacation, sometimes you're out and you're looking at stuff and you're doing things and you ate breakfast at eight and it's already 1230, it's one o'clock, I'm with a group of people and I'm like, I got to fucking eat, man. Yeah. I'm losing muscle as we speak, you know? <laughs> right. And I would piss people off because I'd have to stop somewhere and get food or I'd have to bring a bar uh, or, you know, a powder with me and I'd have to find a water bottle and funnel in there and shake it up and drink <laughs> my shake and because I was so scared to go off my, my routine 
you know, now I'm like Adam, I realize it's it's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you're good most of the time, here's a deal with here's here's the thing when it comes to food. Food provides us with a lot of different things. Uh, one of the obvious ones is the the physiological benefits that healthy food will bring you. The proteins, the fats, the carbs, the nutrients, the fibers, uh, all those things are going to bring you these physiological benefits. But food isn't, you can't just relegate food to that. Obviously, obviously, look around. Uh, food is a, if, there's food culture. Part of the stuff that food brings you, and, and of course, this can become pathological as well. Uh, so I'm not talking about the pathology, but part of the benefits and wonderful things that food brings you has nothing to do with the physiological effects, has nothing to do with the proteins, fats, carbs, and calories, has everything to do with the enjoying the environment, uh, enjoying the hedonistic value of the food. Ooh, I love the taste of this. Enjoying the people around you. So oftentimes when you're in those times, like you're saying here, where you can't get access to a lot of clean calories, quote unquote, that's probably when you should enjoy food for those other things. Like it's probably right. when you're on a vacation. It's probably when you're out with friends you haven't seen in a while. It's probably when you're not in your normal routine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's look, you're you're traveling and you're visiting Italy or France or Spain or Mexico. That's when it's time to enjoy the food for the culture, for the flavor. For the people around you, that's not the time for you to get on your strict regimen of got to get my grams of proteins and my fats and my carbs and my calories, and because you're missing out on those other awesome things. Now, now I'm talking to somebody who's who, obviously the way the question was asked is this person's a fitness fanatic. Now, the average person they enjoy food for everything, but it's <laughs> it's you know it's actual you know physiological value. Uh, in terms of proteins, fats, carbs, and calories, they do that all the time. That's that is their regular routine. The regular routine is eating food for the taste all the time. To that person, uh, the conversation would be totally different. But if you're this fitness fanatic that's on this like super good reg- you know regimen, and then you're on vacation, you're like, oh my god, I can't eat clean. Relax. You're yeah. gone for a week. Enjoy it for what you're supposed to enjoy it for. I, I normally so I'll, I'll either enjoy it. And eat in a surplus, or I'll restrict and just allow my and not allow myself to overindulge based off of how I went into that trip. Mm. Whether so, let's say we're going into a three or a four day trip. Let's say we're going into Manhattan, which we're going down to in, in two days. And um, I and if I have a good day, I had a good day yesterday. If I have another good day today and tomorrow, eating wise, training wise, and then I go into that, I'll, I'll probably allow myself a surplus. I know I've been I've been dialed in. I've I've actually been training really well, so I'm sending the signal for my body to adapt and build muscle. So if I overconsume and have a little extra calories, hopefully a good portion of that gets partitioned over into building muscle. And in addition to that, I'm enjoying the trip while we're down there and I'm getting to indulge in the other values of food like you're saying, Sal. Now flip that. I'm having a bad week. I've been inconsistent. I haven't got in the gym for five or six days in a row. I've been all over the board and map with my my nutrients. When I go into that week, this is where I would probably restrict and 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 hold back on the calories. So it all, and and that's the neat part is you you have complete control of this. What I don't do anymore though is I don't get hung up on a couple days of either restricting calories or eating in a calorie surplus yeah. because it's not. Three to five days is not is what making the difference between you being the cover model or not. It's like consistency and and training and dieting over months and years 
is what really will separate that. And these little two to three day hiatus is not a big deal. What where it kills people is when you've been eating like shit, not training consistently, then you go on vacation and, and then you, you just ramp it up. And then yeah. you ramp it up to a whole nother level. Like, well, yeah, that's gonna fuck you for yeah, sure. Yeah, the only people that really should really care and be strict about eating clean when they're in, you know, different environments, vacation competitors, yeah. you know. If you're going on stage, you yeah. have an excuse. Otherwise you're just being a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stop, and, stop it. And you can be and you're being a dick to yourself. And the way I look at it too is this if I'm in and I've done this oftentimes, I'll be in another country. And we'll be walking around. Let's say we're in Italy and we're, or maybe that's not a good example because they usually have good food everywhere. But let's say I'm in some other place. We're walking around. We're looking at things. And I know we're going to have a nice dinner. I know the dinner is going to be, you know, it's going to have this amazing cultural experience. I'm going to eat these different foods. Maybe someone prepared it for us. But for now, we're out and about. We're looking at stuff. And then there's this little, you know, uh, convenience store. And everybody's like, yeah, let's just grab a quick sandwich at the convenience store. We don't need to stop for lunch because we're walking around and we'll have a nice dinner tonight. I'll skip it. It's not worth it to me. Like, okay, well, I can eat a sandwich in America and, and it's not that big of a deal. So I'll, I'll, I'll be purely, I mean, I'll be totally aware of what I'm enjoying from the food. And so for me, it's like some people will do that with fast food. Fast food to me doesn't really, I don't get that enjoyment from it, for me at least. If I'm going to do it, I'm gonna, if I'm going to enjoy food for its hedonistic value, I'm going to do it with food that I really hold in high esteem because now I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, McDonald's doesn't do that for me, for example. Next question is from Drops of Jewels. As a former gymnast, I value flexibility. I'm only a few months into weight training and want to make sure my stretching doesn't impede muscle growth. When is the best time to deep stretch? Before working out, after working out, or on rest days? So uh, flexibility does not um, impede muscle growth. However, um, stretching deep, static stretching pre-lifting can dampen the CNS signal to the muscles when you're training them. So it actually temporarily weakens muscles. So if you like stretch your quads really, really deep and hard, and then you go do a max strength test on your quads, they'll be a little bit weaker than if you didn't do the, the deep stretch. You actually lose a little bit of stability. So you definitely don't want to do your deep stretching before your workout. What you want to do before your workout is you want to prime, just like we talked about earlier in the episode. Now, that being said, there is some interesting science that supports that uh, deep stretching post-workout may actually contribute to muscle growth. And this would be immediately after you're done training a particular body part, like mm. chest, for example. If I just worked out my chest and I just did you know, nine sets of different exercises and I got this crazy pump, doing some deep chest stretches at the very end of the workout. Um, the studies suggest that it might actually encourage muscle growth. Um, so I would say post-workout, is a, if you want to build muscle, post-workout is a great time to, to uh, incorporate the, the static stretching. Um, as far as the rest days are concerned, static stretching on rest days is phenomenal for increasing range of motion. Not so great at increasing uh, mobility. Mm, uh, no. Just because you have longer range of motion doesn't mean you're connected to that range of motion. Well, if it's passive, and I think, right? Yeah, I think there's ways of applying that. Even like strengthening your end ranges is important, and I feel like that's a part of the process of training. People don't really focus on, uh, and, but that relates more to mobility and being able to uh, have access, you know, to that range of motion, be able to get yourself out of uh, that range of motion with strength. 
Uh, so, but like a, like you're saying, it, it is damaging if we're going in, we're deep stretching, um, especially passively going into a workout to where like now your muscles going to not respond the same way and it could lead to an injury. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a time frame on that. And I believe it, once you start stretching beyond 30 seconds, right? So if you hold a stretch, like you're not going to damper or hurt your workout if you like 15 seconds yeah you do a quick Mm -hmm. 15 seconds or you're doing mobility type stuff that takes you through full range of motion like that's totally fine that's why we encourage mobility and priming before a workout because it is taking the muscle through full range of motion like a stretch but you're not holding it in a static position for beyond 30 seconds And it's not passive yeah once you hit that beyond 30 seconds then it relaxes the body that's what allows you to sink deeper into the stress which is to sal's cns point so I think I, the the answer is, I mean, enjoy your stretching, especially if you if you like it. it. Sounds like you're a flexible person. You are an ex gymnast, and you don't want to lose your flexibility. So post workout, get a great deep stretch, and on your off days, get some good, great deep stretches. And then before workout, stick to mobility and priming. Yeah. I've been actually doing this yep. recently, where at the end of my uh, a body part within my workout, I'll do a deep weighted stretch. And um, every time I do it, I, I notice some some uh, results from it. I notice I get a little bit, almost feels like I, and I can tell I've been working out long enough where I can tell like, oh, that's doing something. And I my pump intensifies is what ends up happening. I get a little bit more sore and I feel like I build a little bit muscle. Um, wasn't Ben Pack big on stretching in, in intro in, workout? Intro, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, intro, intro stretching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Th- there's like, again, there's some interesting studies on supporting that as a way to uh, encourage muscle growth. There's some animal studies where they would place like an, uh, a, a bird, their wing in this weighted stretch and the, the hypertrophy that happened from it was like yeah. crazy. I mean, I, I haven't played around with that yet, but it looks interesting. Well, there's a myth that that building muscle or knee, or build, or having muscle makes you not have good flexibility. I learned that this was a myth when I saw Flex Wheeler, you know, jump into the splits on stage. And if you, and when I remember going through um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, the original one, Tom Platts, uh, who possessed still arguably the greatest lower body in all of, bo- all of bodybuilding, he's demonstrating stretches in there and he's legit super flexible, like splits can fold himself, you know, backwards, forwards, like insane. I know Ben Pack, when we went and recorded with him, we were kind of challenging his mobility. Oh, he's and, dropping in a pistol squat. Like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Super, super mobile. So that's a myth. It's not true. Flexibility doesn't doesn't hinder muscle growth. Next question is from Cheney Passer. Being an LA fitness trainer, we only work with 30-minute sessions, and two times per week is most common. What would your game plan be with someone who is trying to lose weight or someone who is trying to gain strength? The less that they're with you, the more that they're going to have to do on their own. Mm. Uh, So this is true for any personal training. So like if I had a client that I was training three days a week and they were meeting with me three days a week, typically uh, that meant all their workouts were done with me and they didn't have to do any on their own. That same client, if they were to come two days a week, would have to do some stuff on their own. If they only came with see me once a week, they'd have to do more stuff on their own. So in the case of doing a 30-minute session with a client, you're going to have to do a good job of giving them exercises and priming movements and everything to do to get to the gym 20 to 30 minutes before their session with you, do all this stuff, and then when they meet with you, they're ready for the the nuts and bolts. They're ready for the. It's an interesting thought, like going back into that environment and only having thirty minutes with somebody. Like that's tough. Like I, I think really educating and establishing 
like like you said, the ritual ahead of time uh, th- for the first few sessions would be crucial, and just focusing on that of like what they do before they get there, and then also like y- you could uh, you could kind of take them through like the, you know the workout you had drawn up for them and coach them through each one of those exercises with just like one or two reps, then have them duplicate that. Or you could even just focus on one gross motor movement, like a squat or, you know, and that was the focus is, is just the skill of that for that amount of time. It's just tough to do like a full workout out of that 30 minutes without just doing hit. Well, that's just the 30 minutes. This is what I would do. I would spend the first two weeks uh, taking them through all the exercises that I want to program. And then I would still program an hour workout. The 30 minutes that they are with me two times a week, they would be spent on two to three of the complex movements. The difficult ones. Right. So I'm deadlifting, squatting, overhead pressing, bench pressing, uh, uh, rowing. I'm doing the big movements with them, uh, that which will be the most mechanically demanding. And then I'm telling them after our 30 minutes, this is where you go to the machines and do mm-hmm. some bicep, biceps and triceps and lateral raises. The and self-explanatory stuff. Yes, the yeah. stuff that all I had to do was show them one time. You know, this is how you do it. And then I, I feel good about it, even if they weren't doing it perfectly, the, the risk of injury or the risk of even uh, performing incorrectly is very low. But I, I would want to control in those 30. Because in 30 minutes' time, you're probably going to be able to get through either two, maybe three uh, complex movements, right? Because you're going to spend a good 10 to 15 minutes on squatting or deadlifting by itself. So maybe you get through one or two of the major movements, but then they can go do all their uh, auxiliary movements on their own. And that's what how I would program it. And if they're only coming in two days a week, then it's a you know two-day-a-week full-body uh, routine. And again, like to my point, uh, or... You know, you could still design a three a three day a, a week program. They've just seen you two times, so just it really depends yeah. on the level that I'm dealing Stack with. Stack those thirty minutes together, yeah, back to back. The, yeah, they're obviously doing this because uh, they're trying to lower the cost, the, the barrier to entry. Yeah. yeah, with personal training, increase the volume. Um, and I, I always have mixed feelings about the thirty minute sessions. You know, part part of me is. Well, part of me is like, okay, it's cool because we're going to get more people to get assistance, even if it's not. Ideal, it's, it's like a funnel. I hate yeah. it. I hate yeah, it because it's, it's, it's just like group class. It encourages me. trainers to to train hit all the time. Yeah, because they only have thirty minutes, and so they're like, I want to get the most. I want to blast them. Yeah, and they so they always train them in a circuit so they can get through the thirty minutes. The people are getting a hard workout and are sweating, so they think, oh, I'm getting my money's worth. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not what's ideal for a good majority of your clients. What would they be far better off is encouraging them still to come to the gym and work out for an hour, yeah. the 30 minutes I'm going to spend with you. And even if it says one, I mean, I could spend 30 minutes of just like if I, twice a week, it's squatting on squatting in one day and then overhead pressing on the second day. And then I'm telling them to do all these machine exercises uh, on the rest of their half hour, the rest of their hour doing stuff like that, that would probably be more beneficial than running little circuits for 30 minutes yeah, every single time they see I you. I feel bad. I don't know how people... Because I've, I've tried the 30-minute thing. I remember being in that environment, and it just... I would always go to at least an hour to an hour and 10, you know, like just because I was trying to explain everything. So I used them. So we, we I was there at 24 during this transition when they actually started to introduce these half-hour sessions. Where I found value in them was this. was I, And it was actually more often ex, more experienced lifters that had like they wanted me to help them with their oh, squat. Yeah. You just they tweak want, little things. They want to help with their deadlift. Like the whole half hour mm-hmm. was dedicated to me priming your squat, showing you what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage trainers 
to do that. Like that, if you only got 30 minutes and I see a client and I see their movement in a squat or they can't even perform a squat, and I'm going to try and explain to them the value of that and that um, our full 30 minutes might be just getting them to be able to squat mm-hmm. and the, the mobility work that's involved in that, the priming that's worked in that, any sort of correctional work that's involved in that, and then teaching proper mechanics on it. Man, you take a client who's never squatted properly and you get them to squat properly, that could be 30 minutes a day for two times a week for quite a while and then but when you do i promise you the benefits that they get from that are probably far better than what you could ever do in 30 minutes a hit for the next six weeks yeah because what you're probably getting is a lot of like you know potential clients going oh i want to do the 30 minute session but is that really enough time to get a good workout and the trainer's like oh trust me 30 minutes is all you'll be able to handle. Yeah. yeah, believe me, 30 minutes is perfect. And then they'll take them through a 30 minute workout, and the client at 20, you know, minute 20 is like, oh my God, I don't know if I can continue. And the trainer's 10 like, 10 minutes of burpees. Yeah, and the trainer's like, followed by mm-hmm. jumping jacks and then squat jacks. Yeah, and the, and the trainer's like, oh yeah, see, told you. 30 <laughs> minutes, that's all you need, man. Just buy a bunch of sessions of 30 minutes. You, trust me, you can't do more than that type of deal. <laughs> and you're just getting shitty, you're just getting shitty training. Yeah. But yeah, if you do it right, I think it could be done well, um, kind of like the ways we're explaining right now. Look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.